Uh, hi, this is Tom DeWitt from DreamWalkers, Inc., and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast, which is the podcast that is not prepared and presented by a man called Bruce, who apparently is the man. He's not just any man. He is the man. Also, I have to repeat once again that Chris apparently doesn't prepare this stuff, but that's okay. We still love him. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I am Bruce. My name is Chris, and I'm really prepared for this one. <laughs> Which is great, because the previous one, you had no idea what band we were even talking to. You know what's funny? Is it a shtick, or am I really that lazy? That's yeah, the I don't question. know. <laughs> that is the question. I sit back and wonder sometimes, like, what the hell is happening? Anyway, today we're talking to, uh, I think these guys are from the Netherlands. It's going to be a band called Dreamwalkers, Inc., we're speaking with Tom DeWitt, the vocalist. I don't know, did you check these guys out at all? I did, yeah. They're super proggy, lots of keyboards. Um, they got a girl singer in the band as well as a guy singer. It's not surprising. It's a very European sort of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like what metal is like in, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Or, or as I grew up knowing it, Holland. Okay, yeah, I guess it's the same. Doesn't the uh, Netherlands include more than just Holland, though, or is it the same? Uh, I don't know. You know, you know, it's funny about that is my dad's an immigrant from Holland and I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, if you want to hang on, we'll go ahead and uh, get Mr. DeWitt on the line and see what happens. Okay. Hey, there he is. Chris, meet Tom. Tom, meet Chris. Hey, Tom. How Hi, are you? Chris. I'm doing pretty well. You? I'm doing great. You know, we just learned the difference between Holland and the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a pretty massive difference, actually. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My dad, my dad immigrated to Canada when he was nine, and I grew up knowing it only as Holland, and that's I just assumed it was the whole country. Well, it it is a common mistake. I mean, we can get we can get into that a bit later if you guys want to. But it it is a common mistake. It makes sense actually, but only partially. <laughs> but why is it a mistake from my dad? His parents well, and him grew up there their whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, actually, there is there is some sort of a valid comment behind that because it depends on where he was born. Like, where did he come from originally? Do you know a city by any chance? Uh, Friesland, I think. Friesland, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Okay. No, then there's no. Then there's not, not really a reason. <laughs> No, I was trying to save his ass, but now I'm like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to give him a hard time now. I'm going to call him later. I'm going to be like, you asshole. You lied to me. <laughs> also, before we go any further, I had the correct uh, definition for the Netherlands, just for the record. And, and then oh, that's good. That's good to know. That's I have good one to know. other thing. I have one other thing that I want to understand because I don't understand it is you see mm -hmm. two spellings of. The Netherlands. One is N E T H and one is N E D. Which one well, is correct? Um, it's yeah, it's a bit like with uh, um, it, it's a bit like you know you call the country uh, Spain and Spain itself calls it calls it España. You know, it's like um, uh, Nader. So with the D, that's like Nederland. That's what we would say. That yeah. that's how we call it in our own language. And the Netherlands is completely correct. Like that's just the American slash English version of. Got uh, the it. Netherlands. Got it. Got so, it. Sorry to hit you with all these questions. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's okay. I love answering this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I know this is not a geography class, so I'm sorry for my partner there. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right. Hey, <laughs> I graduated, okay? 
<laughs> in, in what exactly, good sir? And that's the audio best. engineering. That's audio engineering. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I know my way around. I know my way around Pro Tools, but don't ask me to find my way around a wet paper bag because I won't find it. Or a map. <laughs> or a map. Yeah. Thank, thank God for navigation these days, huh? <laughs> oh my God! Without GPS, I would be a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay, yeah. So, if you were in a boardroom, could you give us a two-room board boardroom pitch on DreamWorkers Inc.? Uh, weird music for weird people that you can sing along to, and it has metal in there. Okay, <laughs> there works. you go. <laughs> that would that would be the uh, no. That that's obviously the, uh, the the slightly comedic version, but yeah, I would say. Um, Progressive metal that has a lot, a lot going on at the same time, but which secretly is very catchy. All right. So we were talking earlier before you got on the uh, on the line here. Why do you think prog metal or prog in general is way more prevalent and way more popular in Europe than it is here in the U.S.? I mean, the, you're basically asking the question that all the promoters would like to see answered. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I mean, this this is interesting because, um, for example, there's like a lot of bands from America. I mean, Dream Theater, Between the Buried and Me. There, there's like many major major players coming from America and also playing America and playing the bigger cities and bigger venues. So it's kind of weird that th there's still this sense of yeah, prog doesn't sell in America, and I'm like. Okay, so how does Between the Buried and Me sell out a tour then? I mean, if prog right. isn't happening in America. It, I, I do think there's this weird psychology going on, like Europe is metal and America is not, but then you actually start looking at the numbers. And it's like America is, um, well, I mean, I, this might sound a bit weird saying this as a European, but I tend to see America as, as basically 51 different countries anyway. It's like you cannot really yeah. make firm decision on one state and say, oh yeah, this obviously goes for everybody. Uh, yeah, no, that, that that's not working. And in that <laughs> sense, I would say I would say there's a pretty big market there, you know. That was a very but valid yeah. comment for the time we're living through right now. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because from, like, I mean, I live in the Netherlands. The, the perspective you have as a Dutch person from America is like, there's this big country on the other side of the world and there are all these people who all think the same, or at least that's what the media would lead you to believe. And then I actually started, well, meeting up with more American people and getting in touch with people from all over the world. And I was like, there's no cohesive unity whatsoever. You guys are just a bunch of different countries lobbed in with one another. Really. There's <laughs> so much differences going on there, you know? And I think that's great, actually. I think that's also what makes, what makes it work, weirdly enough. But it's... So that whole idea of saying there is no American market just kind of makes me giggle because I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> like, no, I'm, so, I'm pretty, I mean, tell that to I know theater. There, I, yeah, but I know there is a market here. You know, we have that Prague Power Fest and we have all that stuff, but it just seems like labels like Napalm and bands like, you know, Epica and so many European bands, especially yeah. from, the, from the area you're in, um, it's really popular there. Yeah, well, it's 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 most it's kind of weird because there was this. Um, I mean, what we're doing with DreamWalkers Inc. There's like this. I, I recently had this person come up to me, and this is something that is kind of frustrating yet also funny at the same time. Someone was like, "If you had boobs, you guys would have been bigger." <laughs> <laughs> and I was that's like, "Great!" Fuck, I was like, "Fuck my life!" Seriously, that that's what this is about. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's just one of those comments. But then I, I, I was talking to this guy, and he actually meant it in a he meant it in a very sincere way because he actually was surprised that we didn't have a bigger audience for what, what we're doing right now. Right. And I and I was like, well, it's honestly, there, if there was a quantifiable logic to it, then every band would be equally famous and not famous at the same time. You know what I mean? It's it, it's like you just got to be lucky to to get to that. Like, it would be nice to go to Haken level or Dream Theater level, don't get me wrong, but there's a part of me that's like, okay, you know, if it happens, it happens. It's not like we're not working hard enough. It's not like the quality of our stuff isn't there. Right. But, yeah, apparently you just don't meet the right people who can do that for you or whatever. And, I mean, this might be a very non-American thing, a very European thing for me to say, but I'm actually quite happy with just making the thing that we do, and then if there's an audience, the audience will find it because we're putting it out there and, you know, people will find it anyway. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, but, yeah, you know, so yeah. being true, being true to yourself, then, I mean, that's what it's all about anyway, rather, rather than, you know, making the music for a certain genre or to fit into the prog thing or the whatever. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, right now, this feels right. And it's like when I start writing music, just for those who don't know, I can imagine there might be quite a few listeners who've never heard of the band. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but it's like when I started writing music under the name of TDW when I was 14 years old, I, I just started writing because I needed to get rid of stuff. And it was like, okay, I'll just write music. And that's the music that came out. And then people started telling me like, yeah, this is progressive stuff. I'm like, why? Well, because it's not a regular song. Oh, <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> and, and that's kind of how I got, how I, I mean, I was a fan of progressive music. So there's obviously a link there, but a big part of that was I wasn't consciously going like, oh, this should be a seven, eight song and it should be like 13 minutes long. No, that it was, it just kind of happened that way. And I think, I mean, regarding the band, it's like now we're writing with the whole band and I'm still having my TDW project for myself. But every time we're writing music, it still turns out to be five to six minute songs, which all have these weird twists and turns in them. So, right. yes, it turns out to be progressive metal, but it's not like we set out to say, oh, we're going to write this now. No, not really. It, it, it just kind of happens, really. You know what? And, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, what you were saying earlier reminds me of this time I met with Bruce Allen. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. He he manages um, Brian Adams and Michael Bublé. Right. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. So back when I was a musician, I was begging him for management because we both lived in Vancouver at the time. Mm -hmm. And he wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> but <laughs> he did sit down um, with a meeting with me and he said, you know, I want to tell you this right now. He says... If you knock on one door, they're going to close it on you. If you knock on a hundred doors, none of them are going to open. If you knock on a thousand, they're not going to open. If you knock on a million, they're not going to open. But if you keep knocking, one of those doors might open. And you have to realize you're not in the music business. You're in the rejection business. And it's your, abil yeah. it's your ability to get over that rejection and keep doing what you do that's going to cause that door to open. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I it's like that, literally that's the that's the reason why I'm still doing the thing I'm doing. Like yeah. we're now releasing this live album with the band, and then there's people like, "How much of this are you going to sell?" Like I don't know, but I do know I do want to do this. The video looks and great. I, oh, thank you. That's that's very nice. And and it's like just the, the way we're doing it. It's like we're we're first and foremost making the thing we want to make ourselves. Like, okay, w would we buy this if we saw this in stores? Right. Fuck yeah. So that's why we're making it. You know, that's that, that's really the, this whole reason. And indeed, I think the rejection business thing you're mentioning is pretty interesting because it's um, 
I wouldn't say rejection. It's really just there is a fuck ton of music out there. Let's just say it as it is. There's like thousands of bands day, popping out of the woodwork daily, and it's almost impossible to to hear everything. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yes. So I'm I'm not really. I I used to be more personally attacked by it, but weirdly enough, now there's this sense in me is like I'll keep doing this anyway. It's not a matter of if there's going to be a new album. There will be a new album. It's just a matter of when. Right. And you know, if if that album for some weirdo reason gets picked up by big management and suddenly we're on on planes flying all over the world and doing this stuff, that would be great. But if it doesn't happen, I'll still have a great album that I'm really proud of. You know. So nice. Like that's. That's kind of how I want to approach life in general. It's like do the things that make you happy, and you know whatever else comes from it, great. <laughs> right? How do you how do you deal with having so many people in one project? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it is interesting. Like that, that is one of the most asked questions I get, and it's oh. it's like when. But and it makes sense because there you see four piece bands fighting each other. You know what I mean? It's like you see people exploding over nothing in, in much smaller quantities, and then there's us with like eight people on the stage. Um, but I think <laughs> the way it worked as a band for us was like we um, because it started out from the TDW music because basically we were just playing my solo music live when uh, when we got the Proc Power offer in 2016. It was like, do you want to do a show? It's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then I just um, got a bunch of musicians together to play my stuff. And that was the original intent. So it really was like, I wouldn't say session musicians, because I did pick people I personally felt connected to and knew that could play it. And, you know, I, I wanted to create a unit, even though that wasn't the original intention. And then that did kind of happen because we started playing more shows. We did the Prague Power show and we had some more shows. We, we finished the album I, I was working on by myself. That suddenly also became more of a group effort. And that's also why I split it up the TDW and Dreamwalkers Inc. thing. These are now two separate things because Dreamwalkers Inc. is now a band that writes music. The new music we're writing, we're really writing with all of us. And I'm also still doing TDW music by myself. And it's actually rather perfect that way because... If I have a cool song that I wrote all by myself, I could just give it to the band, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, we can play this live." Right. So it, it's a weirdly uh, great creative place to be. Really, that's what it feels like right now. Just so you know, I just broke a cardinal rule of this pod- podcast. Oh yeah, I'm just. Devastated. I was saying the same thing. I was devastated. <laughs> We're not supposed to ask questions that bands get asked all the time, and I feel terrible. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's no, but but it's. But just, but just to, because I, and I'm not even, and I haven't even answered properly. I'm realizing I'm ranting. I'm sorry. Um, but rega- regarding the volume of playing with eight people, the reason why, why it worked, I think, is because there was a clear objective. Like, okay, this is the music. We're going to play it like this. Uh-huh. You know, there, there was not really a lot of wiggle slash discussion room in that sense. And um, now that it's becoming a band, now we're actually, it's weird because we're coming in backwards in a way. Like, okay, we played these shows, we had a few releases, and now we're actually starting to find out how this band works. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting way of doing things. I just, I just always think of like the police, you know, Sting and Stuart Copeland, like getting into fistfights on TV, you know, they can't even stand each other, you know, mm. <laughs> it's like, and it's a trio. So it's, yeah. yeah. Well, Although the thing the thing with them is, I, I once saw this uh, documentary uh, with Stuart Copeland actually saying that um, they would actually they actually loved each other as people. They would actually have a lot of fun as as you know uh, personally, but it was just the moment they would start talking music. It would just turn into this 
weird rivalry kind of thing, you know, testosterone exploding into one another and all that kind of stuff. It's like, why? <laughs> you, you could also be civil about this stuff. It yeah. would just, you could use the, the energy for better stuff. I, just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. And maybe I was, it's the way I was raised, but I don't really see the point in having a conflict. If the conflict doesn't lead to anything, if you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I can, I can disagree with people quite quite a bit might add i mean <laughs> hey we're living in a free country I'm, I, I'm i'm more than happy to disagree with someone but then i could still be really nice to someone like i don't see the point in, in arguing and being in a fight with someone if i don't necessarily agree with his or her views right but yeah that's the in the of end freedom. chris that was a, in the end chris that was a big party foul though i know that that's going to require <laughs> me to drink at least three beers tonight maybe more oh no how <laughs> terrible how terrible <laughs> We're we're in lockdown. What are you gonna do tonight? I don't know. Probably yeah. have a beer or six. <laughs> yeah, it's like get, get get fucking wasted and watch DVDs. I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> no, you. How are you guys? Oh, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say no, what I'm gonna do- say. What I'm doing in quarantine right now is um, I've lined up some of my favorite musicians and we're doing a like a multicam cover of "Breaking the Law" by Priest. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah, we have the uh, the ex singer from Annihilator. The ex-bass player from Annihilator, the drummer from a band called Flybanger. Uh, it's going to be pretty fun. should be interesting. It's funny that you're mentioning Annihilator because, I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if this show is meant for shout-outs, but actually I'm... Um, you might have seen it, like the live album that the, that you saw the video from was actually mastered by Rich Hinks, who is the now bass player and, you know, co-producer for Annihilator. Oh, and he's a cool. good friend of mine. Cool. Great, and, uh, great player, too. Yeah, absolutely. And then Rich, he's he's just, it's, you know, you have this weird situation that you meet someone that you never talk to. And I, I literally met him like two months ago and it feels like we've really been friends for years. It's like we're, we're so incredibly similar also in terms of our work as audio engineers, etc. It's like, where were you all this time? <laughs> it's really weird how that works. Are you, are you an audio engineer as well? Yeah, it's for my day job between brackets. It's I have my own studio in my house and I produce audio, video and web design work for people. So it's really I, I would just call it media production in a very broad sense. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the live video you saw just for your reference, like I uh, produced and mixed the audio. I edit. I, I was the one bringing the cameras into the venue and I basically edited everything. Rich did the mastering, but all the other stuff that was involved in that production is my work, basically. Very cool. And, um, Thank you. <laughs> and it's it, it's one of those. It, it was actually someone recently going like, "How do you keep creating so many things?" It's like, well, I, I basically give myself reason to create things. That's, it's yeah. like, okay, if the work isn't there, then maybe I should just film a show and edit that, and then I have something new to show that I can actually do this. Yeah, that works. Okay, let's do that then. You know. Okay, I have I have two geek questions then. Sure. Okay. What DAW are you using currently? I'm, uh, I, I've, I've been infected by the Steinberg virus. I even have the sound card here. So I'm, I'm a huge Cubase uh, user. I've, I've been working on that since 2006, I think. Yeah. Nice. Like, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Um, they have a great, the way they, the way you can map drums in Cubase is killer. Um, mm. what video editor are you using? I am. Uh, I'm. I'm actually. I'm, I've also been infected by Adobe, so I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> avid Premiere user. It's. 
it's like a, a few years ago i was actually uh, i was working with vegas with sony vegas which you can actually do some pretty decent things with like most i would say anything below five cameras you can also easily do on sony vegas and get some pretty professional um professional results out of but i i don't know for me it felt like i've always been working with photoshop and then it was really just an easy step to finally go to premiere because i could just hook that all up yeah it's so interconnected so, it works so well exactly so for me it's really like i um i can just with mike i personally think that um because you were mentioning pro tools and I actually quite like pro tools it's just that i don't have the uh i, I kind of decided to go to steinberg rod because i was able to get a sound card for a specific price and i was like okay then that is what i'll be focusing on you know that it makes more sense for my uh work as i do it yeah but uh, i have worked with pro tools as well and i was really really yeah it, i mean it's an amazing piece of gear you can't really deny that yeah, I, I, I've, I've. The only reason I use Pro Tools is because I started on it like twenty years ago. So it's like, ah, it's yeah, that makes sense. I don't know anything else. <laughs> so, but yeah, but nice. to, to be fair, to be fair, if you put me behind Logic, for instance, it's like I'm, I'm also a Windows guy, and and these days that's not that much of a shocker anymore because Amen, let's brother. face it, Amen. No, but it's yeah, but it's like Windows and Apple used to be like this big difference, and these days everything is Intel processing anyway. So it's like, eh, yeah. you know, like all the, all the software is interconnecting anyway. Oh yeah. And go ahead. And I, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, you go. No, 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 you, you, you. You're the guest. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> but what? But I am noticing that the um, that that with the combination of Cubase and Premiere works really well because it's also uh, relatively easy to run those side by side. So it's it's often that I'm doing video stuff and I can just uh, or and then I hear something and the audio isn't right, so I can quickly make a tweak in Cubase and then just fire it into Premiere, pretty much one on one. So in that sense, yeah, I, I, that that's why I kind of stuck to those things. Because it's all—it's also, and that's probably something you would recognize as a Pro Tools user. It's like you, at a certain point, your whole keyboard is not a keyboard anymore; it's a shortcut machine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know where everything is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like that. Yep. My wife asked me, "How can you type so fast?" And I was just like, "Oh, I don't look at the keyboard. <laughs> I just know where. I like—I know how to get around the keyboard because of Pro Tools." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, when I taught Pro Tools, I my students always used to ask me, "What's the best way to get fast at Pro Tools?" And I said, "Take a typing class." It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it is true. It is so true. It, 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 people tend to forget how much you can actually do on a keyboard without, which actually speeds up your workflow in general. And and it's it's just something people are like, oh, I'll just use the mouse. Like, yeah, sure, I'll be faster than you on basically everything now. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I check this out. I used to give my students a math equation. I'd say, okay, so if you're going to sit down and let's say you're going to edit drums, you're going to cut it mm -hmm. to the grid. You have one thousand edits. Let's say one thousand edits for an average song. If you do, you know, every every hit. Now, if you have to use your mouse, each one of those edits is going to take you one second. Yeah. So let's calculate how much time that is. Now let's see how fast the shortcut is. It's about 250 milliseconds to 500 milliseconds, depending on how fast you are. How much time do yeah. you save by the end of the day? A lot. It's the it's, <laughs> a lot, yeah. It's it's the difference between getting home at night to see your wife and having dinner and just working through the night. But yeah, but and that is something that I, I got a lot of people. Um, there there was actually a few people who sat next to me in the studio while I was doing my work here, like either for video or audio. And then it would also be like, "Geez, you're so fast!" 
But then I'm like, yeah, that's because I have three screens lined up next to each other, so I can easily go everywhere without having to alt up between screens. Yeah. That is already a time saver. Uh, second, I know my shortcuts. Third, I most of the time already have a set idea in my head like, okay, I probably want to do it like this. So then you already know what you need. Then there's no point in going through endless lists of presets or plugins that you're not using because you need that one thing to get that one job done. Absolutely. And and that's also a thing, like, if, um, as, as a songwriter and as a, as a creator, I mean, looking at the band and at my own music with TDW, it's like, I often do have a set idea of what kind of emotion I want to express or, you know, what I want to say with a song. I don't know how the song is going to go, but I do know, like, okay, this, I feel this now. I read this in the newspaper this morning or on the internet, and I want to express this. So I'll probably need to be in that direction. And that helps, you know, that, that, oh, yeah. that helps speeding up the process massively. So do you guys have like a set kind of, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I'll describe it this way. Like, you know how Bob Dylan was known for like protest songs and like oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. glam metal bands were known for sexism and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so like, do you have a set idea about your messaging or, or is it just kind of whatever happens? I think that's actually a pretty good one. Um, this is something that I've been pondering for a longer time as well, because it's like, um, well, like I said, there's, I, I can answer this twofold in a way, because it's like, there's me with the TDW stuff I do. And I have a pretty clear set of, um, set of ideals and things that I want to express through my music. Um, but those are the same ideals that you see when I am looking at my life and at the posts that I do. There's someone recently uh, came out to me was like, okay, so your music is extremely serious, but then your Instagram is filled with pictures of video games, you petting your cat, and, and well, yeah, and, and you know, all, all these different things. And, and they were like, it's a weird enigma you're creating. But I'm like, well, but there is a logic to it because my music is my serious side. And, and when I'm up on stage, it's like the moment I'm up, I'm up on stage performing that stuff, that's uh, dead serious because I mean it. I mean, I mean the thing that I'm singing. If I could, if I don't mean it, if it's not sincere, then there's no point in me standing there because then I, I'm, I'm, I'm a really bad liar, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it when I'm, when I'm not there mentally. And I think that um, regarding a brand or something that I express, it's like with TDW and, and um, with my own music, it's, it, there's a very clear idea behind the lyrics, behind the things that I want to do. And that is literally one of those cliche comments saying you might want to leave the world a bit better than you found it, which is something that I strongly believe in and which I put in my, in, in my music and in my art. Awesome. And I, I think regarding the band, I would say... Like like that has been the extension for the band as well so far because the band was an extension of TDW and now that we're kind of finding our footing as a band, this is actually a question that we're also thinking about. Like we're working on a concept record. The next album is going to be a concept album, which will probably be somewhere late in 2021 because we're still writing, we're still creating songs now, um, and and it's like there is a lot of that original idea from me in there, but there's also other band members that also contribute. So. I, I can answer it on behalf of myself. I cannot answer it on behalf of the band yet, but I do think it's going to be an extension of that with maybe some extra flavors in there. If you know what I mean? Like the, because the others will include stuff. Awesome. So now we have to do the business part of it. Where can people, sure. where can people find uh, Dreamcatchers Inc? 
Uh, Dream Dreamwalker's in. Dreamwalker's in. Oh, uh, fuck. I'm, uh, you got him. He's, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just yeah. so you know, could, Tom, could he you... never preps, man. He's kind of just shows up. Oh, yeah. Who, it's, 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 who's it's, it's, the one that's doing all the fucking talking here, Bruce? <laughs> I, hey, I just slipped up, man. I just slipped up, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know if you no, guys... I don't know if you dude, saw... Right. I, don't, I don't know if you saw the Canadian Prime Minister the other day. <laughs> uh, I'm not, no, I, I didn't. What, what happened? What happened? Well, he was trying to just talk to... Yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> he was he was trying to convey why people should wear a mask in public, mm-hmm. but but he's he speaks French first and English second, so ah. it takes him a while to kind of translate the words sometimes. So mm-hmm. instead of saying uh, the condensation from the mouth, he said speaking moistly, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then and they turn. I know some people do that on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they this the, there's like this massive hit in Canada right now because someone took that his speech about speaking moistly and turned it moistly. into like this huge dance remix. Oh my god, I should check that nice. out. That's awesome. I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it to you on Skype when it's done. It's so funny. But anyways, that's okay, what okay. that's what just happened to me. So back to nice. where we were here. No worries. No worry. Look, the thing is, Dreamwalkers Inc. I mean, the, we're lucky that it is a band name that that in a way stands out because it's not your average ba- your average metal band name, but it is a long name, and I I kind of. It's like there's so many people like, hey, you were called Dreamwalkers, right? It's like, yeah, there's an ink behind it, and they were like, really? Like yes, <laughs> it's like you know, people tend to forget stuff all the time. It's all right, but um, but I, I, well, you can find Dreamwalkers Inc on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find us on um, there's an official website, DreamwalkersInc.com, and um, well, those are the obvious places. And we're releasing our work through the label Layered Reality Productions. So if people want to buy that stuff, they can get it from the Bandcamp store. There is a Bandcamp. There's DreamwalkersInc.Bandcamp.com as well. And um, yeah, the same goes for the TDW stuff, and all that is connected to the label, so it's all in the same place. Amazing, really awesome, Tom. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Be safe. Yeah, thanks, man, and th- thank you guys for making this. And uh, yeah, hit, hit me up once it goes live and all that. And uh, absolutely. All right. Hey, talk to you Bye. later. Talk right to you soon. Be well. Yeah. See ya. Bye. 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 Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that, uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.